Hey there, on this July 14, 2021. It's EDB here that's Eric Sean Barrett for long, and I believe you connected to this because you're ready for our Wednesday meditation, which will begin in just a few moments. Before we get into our time together, I have to take a moment to appreciate you. And also on behalf of the platform by which you have connected to this, I have to say thank you. Thank you for doing so. And if you can, while we're on this subject of platforms, would you consider you may have found this on social media somewhere or someone slid into your DMs? Can you go ahead and figure out what needs to happen to make sure you get these conversations every time the release of the internet? Whether that's like, whether that's follow, whether that's subscribe, there's somewhere up yonder in the platform area that will let you make certain that soon as it hits the internet, you will get notified. And then do unto others what was done unto you. Slide into somebody else's DMs and let them get the pleasure of connecting to this awesome sauce like you have. I'm going to give you some time to think about that, who that person should be. Actually, let's go ahead and think about that right now. Just go on and take a minute to process it, as well as some other things we need to process right up in here. I would like to take a moment here and process what's going on in our world today. I feel that we should take this at least a minute or two, maybe possibly just three, and just look at the world from a whole different perspective. Look at the world, not just through our zoomed in lens, but look at it from how it is not only affecting us, but how it's affecting everything that's connected to us. How we can release our problems, not to our friends, not to our family, but to our creator. How we can eliminate a lot of the stress and frustration in this world by just pouring our burdens onto our creator. Would you do that? Would you take a few moments here and just (sighs) onto the Lord, onto your creator? You got to cuss at him. That's your business. Whatever you got to do, would you do that right now? We're going to give you a few moments to handle that piece of business.
if you're familiar with what we do around here, I wanted to revisit some things we did back yonder. Number one, our lyrical meditation is very important. If you listen to the president's speech on last evening, if you're listening to this when it's released on July 14. And then after that, Mama Bell is going to play. And then we're going to open our Bibles to Genesis chapter number three. You ready for that? Get that Bible app open. All right, let's do this. And it says, oh, say, can you see by the dawn's early light what so proudly we hailed as the twilight's last gleaming? Who's brought stripes and bright stars through the perilous fight or the rampart we watched? We're so gallantly streaming. And the rocket's red glare, the bombs burst in air, gave proof through the night that our flag was still there. Oh, say, does that star-spangled banner yet wave or the land of the free and the home of the brave? This other piece I want to read down here. It says, And where is the band who so violently swore that the havoc of war and the battle's confusion, a home and a country should leave us no more. Their blood has washed out their soul's footsteps pollution. No refuge could save the hireling and slave from the terror of flight or the gloom of the grave. And the star-spangled banner in triumph doth wave or the land of the free and the home of the brave. And this is the last piece I want to read. And then Mama Bell can take it from there. Oh, thus be it ever when freed men shall stand between their loved homes and the war's desolation. Blessed with victory and peace, may the heaven-rescued land praise the power that has made and preserved us a nation. Then conquer we must when our cause is just. And this motto, and this be our motto. And the star-spangled banner in triumph shall wave over the land of the free. And the home.
Genesis chapter number 3, verse 1 through 6. We're going to go down and we're going to uh, read verse 1 and we're going to go to 6, clause B, and conclude for this morning. It reads, Now the serpent was the most cunning of all the wild animals that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you can't eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit from the trees in the garden. But about the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden, God says, you must not eat it or touch it or you will die. No, you will certainly not die, the serpent said to the woman. In fact, God knows that when you eat it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. The woman saw that the tree was good for food and delightful to look at and that it was desirable to obtain wisdom. I'll just read it. So she took some of its fruit and ate it. She also gave it some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. I would like to, for a minute, mess you up here, uh, just for a minute. Why not in the middle of the week just destroy you a little bit and kind of focus on the subject? The devil was straight with me. The devil was straight with me. And now, Father, easily, we ask that you allow us this. Well, we thank you easily for this opportunity, and we ask that you allow us as your spiritual jurors to properly ascertain what it is that you are saying to us that we, from this moment, without shadow of doubt, will know how to operate in this year world. And all those in agreement with that prayer respond with a howdy. Amen. 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 I have read Genesis for now almost 37 years of my life. I've read the whole book, to be honest with you, minus Revelations. I get to chapter 4, and I just don't want to hear it anymore. You get to talk about those serpent heads and all that stuff. It's just a lot of weirdness over there. But when you hear Genesis, you always hear the sin, the devil lied, and blah, blah, blah. And it was something very interesting that I read or I found when you read the scripture. Uh, there is maybe once or twice in the scripture 
that the devil is called a liar. The majority of the time he's called a deceiver, maybe once. And when they call him a liar, they don't call him directly a liar. They kind of make reference to what he does as lies. But he is never directly called a liar. But he is constantly called a deceiver. That's very important because a lot of our Christian journey is looked upon as absolute. God tells the truth, Jesus is truth, and the devil is a lie. When you think about it from the real nitty-gritty, he is more deceptive than he is lie. What I mean by that is in the text he clearly stated that when you eat from the tree, you will know good and evil. What happened as soon as they ate from the tree and God came down later on in the chapter and looked for them. He said, where are you? He says, we're hiding. He says, why are you hiding, God says? Well, we're naked. Well, how did you know that? Because now we understand things that we didn't understand before. But the other part of that, that is very fascinating is this need to have abundant amount of, an abundant amount of knowledge. We were a group of people at the beginning. Our first parents walked around in the garden. Not one care in the world. Hundreds of trees within the garden full of fruit from apples to oranges to figs to pears to all sorts of other things that grow on trees, all sorts of greeneries and acres and acres of opportunity. And yet there's that one thing in the middle that sticks out like a sore thumb. I thought about this because I understood the cunnery. It said in the first part of the text, it says, now the serpent was the most cunning, most cunning. These words are very, very interesting. The English language is very fascinating when you think about it. And used properly, it really can tell a very good story, but when it's used inaccurately, it kind of dilutes and changes its perspective. Cunning, deceptive. Deceptive and lying. A lie is when I all out tell you something that is inaccurate. Eric, did you eat the last piece of chicken? Of course I did not eat the last piece of chicken. I did not eat the last piece of chicken. That, in some cases, is a lie unless I want to say that I had an out-of-body experience and the bad side of me ate that piece of chicken and wish that is not directly connected to me because that was the side that I do not wish to identify with, then that's more of another story, but we're not going to go there. And all that lies when you directly say that you didn't do anything. But what the enemy does, the devil does, is he comes and he sprinkles truth into his conversing. And in doing that, what he says is, well, 
he really say it? He didn't come out and say God didn't say that. God didn't tell you that. He asked you a question. He causes us to think about certain aspects. I love that in people. You ever met them folks who they won't really tell you that they disagree with you? They try to find ways to change your mind, to convince you of another alternative. That's deceptive. In the end of the day, the enemy did not lie to you, and two, his act was not to tell you something inaccurate. His act was, or his mission statement was, to convince you that what you know is inaccurate. It's a game of how do I persuade these individuals to go against what they believe. I think that is fascinating because uh, there's a young lady on this uh, who is running for council, and one of her uh, mindsets is, or her perspectives is, is that uh, the struggles that we have is a lot bigger than what we're actually dealing with. It's more than human struggles. When you think about it, it all comes back to Genesis chapter 3. Are you really deprived because of your ethnic perspective? Is life really bad? I was having a chat yesterday with someone, very nice chat. I I don't – I'm not angry by the chat is what I'm trying to say. But at the end of the day, the the gentleman asked me a question, and and again, for fairness, he's one of those individuals who is, uh, as as I would like to say, privilegedly unchecked. He didn't know, and he admitted that he didn't know. But he made a statement. He said, you know, the world is a lot better now than it was some 200 years ago. And I said, well, that depends on where you look. He said, what do you mean? Well, we have certain aspects that we have uh, the Emancipation Proclamation. We have the Civil Rights Bill. We have places and opportunities where whites and blacks can worship together and connect together. Well, blacks and whites were connecting together in the Civil Rights era, if you want to think about it the Assemblies of God, that whole denomination came out of Bishop C.H. Mason, the head of the Church of God in Christ. The Assemblies of God wanted same access to the Holy Spirit that the blacks had. And so they would go to Mason Temple down in Memphis or over in Memphis to worship with Bishop C.H. Mason. White folks and black folks have been worshiping together for years. When you go over to Azusa Street, where Bishop Mason received his calling, Azusa over in California, where there was a house where they would go in and receive the Holy Spirit. White folks and black folks was in there. 
and that was in the late 1800s, early 1900s. Black folks and white folks have been in the same room together. But then when you say, oh, but it's better now, and I'm not trying to say that, that we're in the same world we were in 200 years ago, but I'm also saying, as I said with that gentleman, that depends on who you talk to. To some folks, yes, those laws have been beneficial. You and I, as I was referring to him, can sit down in a fancy coffee shop on his dime, by the way. I was appreciative of that. That was definitely a step up for me. Well, what about those brothers and sisters who are still out in the projects, still living with the possibility of eviction? Are their lives getting better or are their lives getting worse? Depends on who you ask. And when you sit and you say, well, maybe you're not looking at it properly. That's cunning. That's deceptive. That's trying to make you see something that contradicts what you know is true. Our civic and political leaders have done that for decades now, centuries as far as I'm concerned, trying to turn your, your mind, your perspective, trying to persuade you to come to their side. Cunning. All comes from this original text. The whole aspect of slavery, three point something million people. Some historians have argued 25 to 1. 25 to 1. And yet, they could not overpower the people. Well, they had guns. Really? A gun? A little musket? What's that with one man and more than likely on his plantation? He had somewhere north of two to 3,000 people per plantation. What's that, one to 2,000? What's a little musket? No. It's the cunning deceptiveness. If you convince them that they're not human, if you convince them that they can't do it, then you have destroyed their whole well-being. Another piece of this text that bugged me here in our little journey of life, and like I said, I have started to read the Bible a little differently because I feel that for the last 37 years, the Bible has been more of a book full of stories and great for theological argument, but had no relevance to me. Until now, when you read it and you, you think about it, it's in this text that you get the proverbial, can't see the forest for the trees. All of these trees around here, all of this opportunity, and yet what does he use? He uses the one flaw. You have a home 
you have a little money in the bank, you have a little resources, but you know what? That pipe over there has been sitting there broken for the last six years. That's bothered me. I got to get that pipe fixed. It's disturbing me. This, this, this one thing that I don't have, not, not to mention all of the people and all of the persons who like you, all of the persons who want you around. But that one person that told me that I wasn't worth anything and wished that I would leave town, that, that's the tree in the middle of my garden. I was, the other night, or Monday night, there was uh, the opportunity, they had a little thing over on the other side of town. I, I did not attend. And my Reasoning for not attending was because that well I I don't wish to get myself involved I don't have time to fight those people they they're just they're just they're just, they're just. and then last night I got a call a gentleman said uh, we missed you and I said who's this we Kimosabi and they said well it was a bunch of folks around and we were talking and they said. Eric wasn't here. I said, oh. He said, yeah, we missed you. Now, before anybody goes, say, well, that's great. They, they're glad that they missed you. Here's another part of this cunningness that I've, I've realized. You know, when they call you and want to tell you how good you are. Now, maybe I'm I'm evil and, and you know, some folks have said that, that, that I – uh, they say a lot of things. I don't have time to mention it, but but for me, when you call and tell me how good I am, and you know, you're just a wonderful person. My next response is, "What do you want?" It's a deceptive way. If we can use your emotions and get in with how good you are and patch you up and butter you and make you feel special and we can strip you. We can take everything we want from you. Sadly, that is what certain individuals tried to do on last evening, call and butter me up, make me feel like I am somebody. I know I'm somebody. See, when you know you're somebody, you don't get buttered up by that that stuff. When 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 you know that you were placed here, that, that your mission was to be here. We created let us create man in our own image. They can have what we have and do what we do. See, he says here in that text, he says, He knows that if you eat of that tree you will be like God. Well, wait a minute. That wasn't a lie either. Go back over when he created. Let us create man in our own image. They will have what we have and they can do what we do. He did not lie. He just played to their flaw. And I look around at a lot of folks 
and I watch as the cunning deceptors are playing to their flaws. We must eliminate critical race theory. They're they're going to put you out here in a minute. If, If we keep letting them teach like this, and keep letting them push this this agenda, then eventually they're going to push us out. No, it's not they're going to push y'all out because we we teach critical race theory. It's not that they're going to push y'all out because we believe in self-awareness and personal motivation. No, we're going to push you out because 20 to 1, we keep our babies. How else or how other reason are the white race seemingly going to become the minority here in a few years, overpowered by the Mexicans and the African Americans and other ethnicities? How else is that? We're not aborting like they are. It's simple mathematics. We're not, not having children like they are. It's simple mathematics. And then I listen to these fine friends who want to come up and say, well, we have to use our powers to attack the liberal agenda. The liberal agenda that is pushing the gay rights and the liberal agenda that is pushing the abortion laws and the liberal agenda that is pushing all these different things. And then you ask yourself the question, well, where are these people who are benefiting most from these laws? They're not in our churches. They're not in our communities. I'm not trying to say that we are not aborting children. I'm not saying that. I'm not trying to say that we are not uh, LGBTQIA. I'm not saying that either. But when you look at it from a holistic perspective, where is it coming from? It's coming from their neighborhood. The average abortion before Planned Parenthood was some five to ten grand that they, they put out there in some numbers. I'm not sure exactly if that's accurate or not, but it was very high. We ain't got that kind of money. So how are you saying doctors are legally doing something and it's in our neighborhood we broke? How do we get blamed for something we can't afford? No. Because we have to find a flaw. And then we tap on to that flaw. It's there they're the reason. They're the problem. And they use that to rally their people. That's the reason why you listen. I talk to some of them and I listen to what they're saying and they come out and they say, well, the reason why we have this problem is because the legals is coming over and taking our jobs. How can they take a job when they own the company? How can we take a house and we have no connection to the mortgage industry? 
We can't move into your neighborhood if somebody doesn't give us a house. We didn't build them. But no, your problem, your flaw is somebody else's responsibility. And if you want to fix your problem, you get rid of those individuals, cunning and deceptive. And so I, I say that as I come in from a landing. I wish that some of us would take a lot of pressure off the devil and actually see who he really is. Well, the devil is a lie. Well, if he was a lie, then it would make sense. But it's worse. Being deceptive is worse than lying. Because a lie you should see right through. But playing on your emotions and playing to your defenses, oh, that's worse. It's one thing if the devil says, hey, you go down that street there and there's not a river. You just drive straight on through. Well, here's the problem. A lie eventually will catch up with you. Because eventually, if you was to come around here and turn off a of Valentine on the Kimball and then turn off the Kimball on the Dorchester, you're going to find that river. A lie, you can find. The truth, you can find. But deceptiveness is hard to trace. Where are you going? Oh, I'm going to and fro seeking who I can deceive who I can devour, not who I can lie to. He comes to kill, to steal, and to lie. No, he comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. And the only way that he can destroy is by convincing you to destroy yourself. No man taketh my life, I lay it down. And the same that I have, you have as well. So therefore, if no man can take his life, his life being Jesus, then no man can take our lives unless we give it up. No man can take your faith. No man can take your conviction. No man can take your ideals. No man can take your personality. No man can take your identity. You must lay it down and that is the cunningness of the serpent. So when you realize that he is being, as they say in the street, straight up, he is telling you what he is trying to do. Hey, Satan, what are you doing? Well, I'm going down here seeing how many friends I can make. That's not what he said. He told God the truth. I'm going to destroy some folks. And so I ask of you, as I take that brief pause for you to think, I hope that in your travels and your journey that you will see that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, 
It's not the president that's the problem. It's not the Congress. It's not Greg Abbott in Texas or the Republican legislation there. It's not the Democrats that fled. It's not the gun-toting Second Amendment peoples. It's not BLM. It's not Antifa. It's not LGBTQIA. No. It's powers. It's rulers in high places. That's our problem. And they are deceptive and cunning. And if you can't see the deception, if you can't recognize the cunning, that's how he kills, how it steals, and how it destroys. Brother Dennis, I'm going to ask him to come pray as we go. And I hope that as he's praying that we will all get this right up there in the head. Just realize it. See what he's saying. That, that as they would say down at the old church, that old good, no good suit slayer. See what he's saying. And then once you see it, understand it. And then look around and realize that, yes, There's this one flaw I have, yes. There's this one tree that I was told not to take up. But you know what? I got 40 million other trees. I I can live without this one. There's 40 million trees in in this desert. Look on the bright side. I don't like math, so I'm not going to say 40 million. But if there's 40 trees in this desert, and God, or, or I was instructed not to eat of one. You know, there's 39 left. 39 trees that is producing more fruit than I can ever enjoy in a lifetime. Why does it matter about that one? Why does this flaw matter in our friends when you got 40 million other reasons why they're awesome? Why did you throw your buddy away because she cut your plate. You got 12 of us. The cunningness, the deceptiveness, exploiting the problem bigger than it is. You know when they take this, and Brother Dennis is going to pray, I promise I'm done. When they go out there and they take these videos and things on TV, it's what you call a camera trick. They take it and they shoot it in close and make you seem like it's massive amounts of people. But if you ever saw it, it might be five folks on a corner. They've amplified it and made it bigger than it was. They made the tree larger than it is. But if you zoom out, you almost can't even find it in the garden because it's lost in the forest. Father God, thank you that we can come together on Wednesday morning, that we can hear the word. Lord, we know that uh, Satan is a deceiver, and we have to remember that. He doesn't lie. He just deceives. There are a lot of things that uh, he puts in our ways. And as we walk 
today. Let us remember that as we come across things that, and, and really look at things uh, for really what they are. Like Eric said, sometimes the news is, is one thing. I remember when uh, Michael Vick went to play ball with one of the local, uh, one of the football teams, and they said protests were outside, protested, and again they were up close and personal. If you look back, as one person told me, he said there was only like six people there, but they made it look bigger. So we have to remember that Satan does do things. He'll deceive you. He'll make it look good. You know, he makes everything look good. It's all, you know, the grass is always greener. Uh, it may look great until you get there. We all know the truth in that. But Father God, we just thank you. We ask you to be with us, protect us, be with our families, Lord, keep us safe, keep us healthy. You know what we need, and you know why we need it, Lord. And, and we hope that our needs are in line with yours. We just thank you for today, and we just give you uh, all the praise and honor. And be with us until we can meet again on Sunday. Amen and amen. Amen. Mm-hmm.